Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us a like, leave a comment. Let me know how I'm doing as I continue to bring excellent content, hopefully, each and every week. Very special guest today. My guest is Tara Eisen. She is the author of, of the new novel, At the Hour Between Dog and Wolf, which has been described as a hauntingly beautiful novel about identity, and it shows how a vulnerable mind can be tragically reshaped under the influence of extremist ideologies. Tara is a two-time recipient of the National Endowment for the Arts Creative Writing Fellowship, and her previous novel, Rockaway, was featured as one of the best books of the summer in O, which is the Oprah Winfrey magazine. Tara, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Been looking forward to this one. So let's just start <laughs> out. Your novel uh, it has such a unique storyline. Tell me about the premise and how did you develop the concept for this story? Yeah. So uh, first of all, I've been working on this book for about 25 years. Um, so it's really a labor of love. And I suppose it started uh, when I learned that my stepmother, who came into my life when I was 12 years old, was a hidden child in mm -hmm. World War II. She was a five-year-old little Jewish girl living in Hungary. And she was sent to live out in the country uh, on a farm with some Catholic people who were willing to take her in. And she had to pass herself off as a, a little Catholic girl. And she was taught the prayers and she was given a new name and she doesn't remember much of it. She was only five years old. She made it through the war safely. You know, it, it was not, she had a, the people were very good to her, but she very much remembers being told um, not to make a mistake and give herself away and don't ever, ever cry. And that's a lot of pressure on a five-year-old. And the idea of that, stuck with me for a year for many 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 years and at some point about 20 25 years ago i was it was right after my first novel was published and i was trying to think what my next project would be and i thought of this and started sketching out an idea and the more i worked on it the more it became as as you said a story about identity that um, it's not my stepmother's story at all um, and my character begins at the age of 12 but you know, adolescence is already a, a sort of fragile time of for, for self-identity and figuring out who you are. And I thought to take somebody in such a, um, a position where their sense of self is already being formed and to impose this on them, they now have to be a completely different person, especially when the stakes are so high. I mean, my character is told, if you make a mistake, the police will come kill all of us. I was really interested in the psychological experience of a character like that and and what that transformation might how that tra how a transformation like that how she's turning her into a completely different person because she gets lost in that new identity i was interested in how how that could happen hmm. uh, again it's such a compelling story and uh such a unique approach in the way you tell it is so um it's so engaging so uh, but let me shift now to the location and the setting of the story. Um, you know, often Germany, Italy, you know, England, we, we talk about those those countries. And when it comes to the history Poland. and story of Poland, exactly, yeah, World yeah. War II. Uh, but your story is set in occupied France. So um, why occupied France? And uh, why did you choose that location to tell your story? 
Um, you know, my stepmother was born in uh, Hungary and this all happened. Uh, her experience was in Hungary, um, which I, uh, you know, was a place I know absolutely nothing about. And when I was thinking about how to reshape this or how to shape the concept for my own novel, I decided to set it in France. And initially it was almost a, an arbitrary decision. Uh, I'm a Francophile. Mm. I went to school for a year in France when I was 20. Um, and I thought, oh yes, I've heard about the Vichy government and I've heard about French collaboration with the Nazis and I'll just set it in France. And I had no idea how crucial that setting is to the novel. Um, I had to do so much research into Vichy France, I, you know, World War II history in general, but the the particular circumstances of, of France um, under the occupation and the choice of the Vichy government to collaborate and how that splintered the, the French people, um, the discord that it created. Um, initially, I, I'm guessing I'm not a historian, but I would say maybe 80% of the French population were in favor of it because the German army had massacred um, the French army and French France was well on its way to being destroyed. And the initial thinking was, okay, Germany is going to win this war. We all know it. So if we put our arms down and have an honorable surrender, we will be friends with Germany and we will be able to walk hand in hand with them and they will not destroy us the way they are looking and, and successfully destroying other countries. Of course, over the course of the war, that collaboration, the, the circumstances under that collaboration became increasingly brutal and the the feeling about collaboration dramatically shifted. So the the France the, the French national identity is a significant character itself, I think, in the novel. And it's it's very much reflected in what my character Danielle is going through with that sort of reforming of identity. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the village in which she's living, this little village out in the French countryside, is sort of a microcosm for for French society as a whole. Um, so yeah, it wound up being, I, I, I can't imagine having that I would have set the book anywhere else. <laughs> uh, you mentioned you're not a historian, but I would imagine a lot of research went into this to prepare you for this book. So maybe talk to me a little bit about your your process for, for research, uh, because, you know, it's such a historically accurate depiction of uh, France during I that tried. time. <laughs> I wanted it to be as accurate as possible, I also wanted it to honor the experience of the people who had to live and survive that kind of trauma hmm. and, uh, you know, war and privation and displacement and brutality. Um, so I wanted to get my, my story is fictional. My character is is fictional, but I did want to get the the details right. So, yeah, massive research into World War II in general, into the occupation um, of France under the, the Germans, but also a great deal of research into, into Judaism. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm Jewish, but not a very good one, uh, not a very <laughs> learned Jew. And I wanted to understand the experience of being Jewish in Vichy, France. Um, research into Catholicism, because my character gradually becomes a devout Catholic. And I needed to understand the the attraction. I needed to understand, you know, the the beauties of the Catholic religion that would attract her, um, and certainly a lot of uh, research into um, hidden children of mm. war 
and the, the trauma experienced, a, a range of experiences. There's there's no one singular experience, but uh, you know, all children experienced trauma uh, to to some degree. Um, so books, uh, lots and lots and lots of books, uh, a lot of history books, but also memoirs and um, uh, novels, both from the era and about the era, documentaries, um, television series and movies. Um, So much research. I I just, I wanted to immerse myself into the lives of the characters so much. And then I think another whole aspect of the research was going to France Mm. um, several times, a lot of research in France, partly because I was able to find materials in libraries and museums and archives, but also because I wanted to literally breathe the air. My my characters would have breathed and I wanted to, uh, you know, I, I it was by spending time in France and around the area of Limoges that I decided to set the novel in a small village outside of Limoges. And I wanted to know what the air smelled like and, you know, the color of the sky and the taste of the blueberry jam. And I wanted it to feel as experiential as possible. I mean, that's why it's a novel um, and not a history book. Exactly. Uh, You mentioned your character, Danielle, who does go undergo a radical transformation in ideology during the story. Uh, But my question is more, I guess, of a personal question for you. Um, What emotions or feelings did you draw upon to create the character? And what did you learn about yourself when writing this novel? The first thing that comes to mind is that I learned how privileged (laughs) I am. I mean, Danielle starts the story, she's 12 years old, a very secular Jewish girl living in Paris with her her parents, um, sophisticated, sheltered, uh, spoiled. I could relate to a lot of her as a 12 year old. But yeah, she she has to transform over the course of the novel. And initially she's, she's what I would refer to as an indifferent Jew, uh, which is what I have been much of my life. Um, in the sense of she's very sheltered from the anti-Semitism in the world, the prejudice, the bigotry. And of course, when circumstances change, she is thrust into a position of having to really confront it for the first time and reckon with it for the first time, all, all while pretending she's not Jewish. Right. So I really wanted it to mess her head up, frankly, but for me personally, I mean, yes, I of course know about the Holocaust. I, 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 I have what I, or what, what I, you know, I've always had what I hoped is the kind of information about the anti-Semitism and the brutality suffered by, you know, not just Jews, but, you know, political prisoners, sure. um, you know, people of other faiths, um, gays, uh, uh, people with handicaps, uh, you know, the, the, the dehumanizing othering right. of people under right. the Nazi regime. But like my character, I feel that I have never really had to reckon hmm. with it. I, you know, I, the, the Holocaust happened over there. I grew up in a culture in my immediate world. Half the world was Jewish. Half the world was Gentile. Um, so I, I never felt that I had personally experienced any anti-Semitism. Mm. 
And I realized it's because given the circumstances of my own life, I have been privileged not to have to reckon with that um, or to delude myself into thinking that that doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a this was a, a harsh wake up call in part because in doing all of this research about what you know seemingly is a story happening 50, 60 years ago, right. this is happening now. Uh, you know, in in recent years, the rise in anti-Semitism and global fascism and uh, extremist ideologies, we're all under threat right now. And I, I feel like I've never directly experienced that in my life. So the combination between researching this novel and experiencing what's happening in the world today, I, I think was really personally, um, has been a reckoning and a, and a wake up call. Interesting. Um, let's talk about your bio. Uh, where'd you grow up? Where did you develop your your passion for writing? Because to write a novel like this and the novels you've written in the past, obviously you have a passion and a creative ability. So where did that develop and uh, where are you from? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am one of those writers who does not like to write and will do anything <laughs> to avoid writing. Um, so... I, I sometimes wonder, like, how how have I written all these books? Like, you know, I, I don't know how it's happened. Um, but yeah, it has to be a story that you know uh, gets under your skin. Yeah, and you can't quite ignore it. Uh, you know, it's it's tugging at your heart. It's it's tugging at your brain. Um, I grew up. I'm a I'm a Valley girl. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, born and bred. Um, and I was really fortunate that I had two parents who were big readers, loved to read. The house was full of books and very encouraging about me as a reader. I was allowed to read anything I wanted, maybe some things that weren't quite so appropriate (laughs) for, for a child. Um, but it was, it was really encouraged and, I think I wanted to be a writer from from a very early age. It just sounded like the coolest thing in the world to me. And my my parents were, you know, my first two readers and my first two biggest fans and read everything I wrote and were excited that I wanted to be a writer or that I was a writer. And, you know, that kind of encouragement, that kind of support um was was incredible. I'm I'm really, I'm really grateful for it. So <laughs> Uh, you've obviously received accolades throughout your career and early on in your career. So let me ask you about uh, what it's like to receive the National Endowment for the Arts Creative Writing Fellowship, not once, but twice. <laughs> How did that experience influence your career? And uh, what are your thoughts on such a distinguished honor? The first one I won was actually for um, a section of At the Hour Between Dog and Wolf. Really? In 2007. Wow. Yeah. And... That, so the, what was that? That was uh, 15 years ago. Yeah. That was something that has, that helped keep me going hmm. on the, with this book because I, I've gotten, I, I got a lot of rejection for this book. It was very hard for me to find a, a, an agent. It was very hard for me to find a publisher for this book. A lot of people. If I can jump in, do you think that's yeah. because of the subject matter or why do you think there was such a, a, a resistance? I, I've never understood. I mean, you'd think the subject matter being so timely. Right. 
I've never understood it. And I, I, there was never any sort of consensus about why people were saying no to me. Hmm. Um, some people, a couple of comments that I do remember, one, one publisher said to me, the novel's, you know, terrific and beautifully written, et cetera, et cetera. But I felt very uncomfortable being inside this girl's head. Yeah. As wow. she evolves. Wow. Mm-hmm. I take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought, mm-hmm. good, then I'm doing it right. I, you know, I'm leading the reader down the same path that the character is going down, which is, you know, an absolute corruption of moral values. The dark place. The dark place, exactly. Very I really, dark. I had to get into the headspace right. of somebody who believes fascist ideology, racist ideology, anti-Semitic ideology, not a comfortable place to be. Um, so, so, you know, so I don't know, but mm. I was, I was told for 20 years, the book doesn't work. The book doesn't work. And so to have this moment of validation from the national endowment for the arts that, you know, even that this project has value was, was huge to me. Um, I don't know why I tried applying again, because the application for an NEA is a nightmare. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, it's bureaucratic. Um, and I've always joked that you get the NEA if you successfully navigate and complete the application process. Um, one of the reasons the NEA means so much to me, I think, and to so many people is that it's a blind submission. The people reading your application and your your writing sample have no idea, no names, have no idea who you are. So it's really this sort of pure acknowledgement of mm-hmm. the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2020, I guess I decided, again, I don't know why I, I, you're allowed to, you're allowed to win twice. And I thought, okay, fine. So I applied again. And when they called me to tell me that I'd been, that i received the second one I started to cry Hmm. and I remember saying to the woman okay but you know I've already won (laughs) once right (laughs) and you have to disclose that on the application I I see but I was like you do know that right and she started laughing and she said yes Tara we know (laughs) we we know but yes here's here's your second one so you know man talk about being honored I, I mean I'm it's just it's so validating. I know maybe we're not all supposed to need so much external validation, but oh boy, external validation can really keep you going. Yeah, writing is such a a, a, a lonely. lonely. Yeah, <laughs> so you're yeah. You, and you really don't know, and and you know you have okay. Do they like it? Do they not like it? Am I getting my point? I mean, there's all these things that go through a writer's head. So when you get validation like that, I imagine it was like, in some ways, a big just kind of huh, okay. Okay, I got yeah. this. I, but I think it's that also combined with like, wow, I faked them out again. <laughs> like, like, wow, I got away with it again. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like ego meets imposter syndrome constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I said to somebody recently, they they said something like, you know, what's the experience of writing a novel like? And, and I said, writing a novel is like... Um, uh, you know, being totally immersed in a combination of absolute hubris and um, absolute, oh God, now I don't remember the other thing I said, but like this, this, this existential terror of being worthless, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. this like I have taken on too big a task. I cannot do this. It's beyond me. 
But to keep going with something like a novel still requires a lot of ego. I mean, you have to believe that you can tell this story in a way that it's never been told before. So it's this it's this sort of weird space to be in. <laughs> well, uh, as we get ready to wrap up, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Tara. But uh, let me ask you, what's next? Uh, is there a new project in the works? Uh, what are you working on? Uh, not another novel right now. Hmm. Uh, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I imagine you have to kind of get out of that. I mean, you you hear actors who do the method acting and they they get into these characters and then they have to literally decompress and get out of that mental space. So I imagine there was some of that for you as well. I, I, that is such a great comparison. I, 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 I do feel that there's really a, a similarity between, you know, an actor taking on the role and a writer immersing herself, himself, themselves into the book because you have to do you do have to get into the 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 mindset and the head and the psyche and the heart and the mind and the soul um <laughs> of the character and 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 the world and i mean i'm still watching world war ii documentaries hmm. you'd think i'd be over it by now but it's i'm having a hard time leaving that world um so definitely not another novel right now. I, I need a little break. I'm, I'm, I'm working on stories. I'm hoping to put together another collection of short stories. And my short stories are very, very different um, from this novel. So it's it's a it's nice to be able to, you know, become a enter into a completely different world and be very, very different characters for a while. Absolutely. Uh, if people want more information about you or uh, I'm assuming the book is everywhere, they can get the book anywhere. Uh, where can they get yeah. more information about you as well? Um, the book is everywhere. Please order it from your local independent bookstore. If you can, if you have a local independent bookstore, um, I'm easy to find. My website is my name. So it's taraison.com. And I am Tara Eisen writer on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, I have a YouTube channel um, where I'm also posting some videos about nice. the novel and the experience of writing the novel. Um, and that's also Tara Eisen. And uh, yeah, I, I love to hear from people. I, you know, so please, I'm I'm easy to find. And um, I obviously, I still love talking about this book. Of course, as you should, you should be very proud. It's a worthy accomplishment. And I think it's, it's one of those books that uh, shapes people's vision and shapes their outlooks and it causes you to think about um wow you know how an impressionable 12 year old girl could you know transition into this thing and your point was so valid in terms of where we are today as a society because it's happening right now uh unfortunately how to how to create a, a generation of fascists right Yep, exactly. it starts with it starts with one mind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's been my pleasure. It's, it's been, been pleasure. my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, again, this has been another edition of the Edric Show. My guest has been Tara Eisen, author of the new novel "At the Hour Between Dog and Wolf." Please go out, pick it up. You will not be disappointed, and you will not be able to put it down. Available everywhere. So, Tara, thank you so much. All the best to you. Thank you. You too. Much appreciation. You're welcome. And of course, on The Edric Show, this is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of your favorite online streaming platforms. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.